Taiwan has rolled out Medigen, its first domestically developed COVID vaccine. Nearly 600,000 people have made appointments to receive Medigen in the coming days. One of them was President Tsai Ing-wen, who rolled up her sleeve early in the morning. Early Monday morning, President Tsai Ing-wen appeared at the gym of National Taiwan University's College of Medicine. She was there to receive the Medigen vaccine. Out of security considerations and to minimize disturbance to other recipients, Tsai's appointment was scheduled for 7.30 in the morning. She arrived at the clinic accompanied by CECC Specialist Advisory Panel Convener Zhang Xiangchun and DPP lawmaker Chiu Taiyuan. She slid her NHI card in the reader and collected a slip. Then came time for her doctor's consult. From the vaccine booking to the injection, the process was the same as that used by the general public. Once all Tsai's documents were in order, a nurse removed a box of vaccines from cold storage and pulled out a dose of medicine for injection. Once it was all done, Tsai showed her vaccination card to the press, giving a thumbs up for the cameras. She looked at ease as she chatted with medical workers during her post-vaccination observation period. In an exchange caught on camera, she hinted that more vaccines will arrive by the end of August. From start to finish, it took Tsai less than 10 minutes to get the vaccine. After that, she had a short break. Before leaving, she stopped for a commemorative photo, posting it to Facebook along with praise for the spacious venue and its streamlined organization. She thanked the medical staff who attended to her and said she felt good and ready to tackle a full day's work. At other clinics across the country, it was a healthy turnout on the morning of Medigen's debut. Medigen is Taiwan's first vaccine to be offered to adults as young as 20 years old. On Monday, there were many young faces in the crowd. I originally wanted AstraZeneca. I went online and did some research. I discovered that Medigen has fewer side effects, so I thought that I would change my preferences to Medigen. About 599,000 people have appointments to get Medigen in this round of vaccination. About 180,000 of them are aged 20 to 35, and another 419,000 are aged 36 and up. Medigen's delivery format is the pre-filled syringe, with each syringe containing one dose. During phase two testing on nearly 4,000 subjects, no one had a severe adverse reaction, officials say. So far, 39.58% of Taiwan's population has received one dose of a COVID vaccine. Officials have high hopes of driving up the coverage rate now that Medigen is in the mix. Domestic vaccine developer United Biomedical bombarded the FDA with fierce criticism last Sunday after its request for emergency use authorization was denied. Speaking at press briefing, the company's chairwoman said the FDA's review standards were, quote, out of date and incomprehensive. On Monday, we spoke to experts who came down on both sides of the issue. You video your email 
The UB612 vaccine was not granted authorization for emergency use. United Biomedical deeply regrets this outcome. United Biomedical CEO Wang Chang-e presided at a press conference on Sunday after her firm's request for an EUA was denied. She criticized the FDA's EUA standards, saying they don't factor in all reactions that contribute to immunity. The government adopted an immunobridging approach that centers on a single point in time. This standard of review looks only at a single partial aspect of immunity. It does not comprehensively evaluate the immunity stimulated by the vaccine. Wang said it was outdated to use the original COVID virus as benchmark for the EUA review, but physician Huang Limin disagreed. Is your vaccine comparable to the AstraZeneca vaccine? If you want to compare two vaccines, you can just choose one point of comparison. Any valid point of comparison will do. From a methodological standpoint, it is not necessary to use the latest virus strain. After all, if you adopted that logic, if Delta were to be replaced as the dominant strain, wouldn't you have to run another comparison? You'd have to keep comparing and comparing. You'd have to do it so many times. Right now, the Lambda strain is emerging. Should we be running these comparisons based on the Lambda strain? It cannot be denied that immunobridging is one-size-fits-all. That is to say, it does miss some things. For instance, as mentioned before, it doesn't factor in T-cell activity or the memory and responses of T-cells. But immunobridging is currently the world's simplest way of drawing direct connections between different vaccine brands. Huang argued that the original COVID virus was a valid point of comparison. But toxicologist Zhang Mingwei agreed with United Biomedical saying that the FDA didn't factor in its vaccine's effect on T-cells. These standards were the outcome of discussions by our panel of experts. If they have other ideas of their own, they can propose them. The FDA said its EUA standards were determined by experts, but United Biomedical appears set on pressing its case, meaning that the dispute is far from over. Taiwan reported four new domestic COVID infections and two imported cases on Monday. All four of the new local cases were reported in New Taipei. Health officials say that although Taiwan's domestic outbreak is under control, preventative measures will be tightened at the border to keep out the Delta variant. Domestic COVID monitoring will also be strengthened. Let's hear from the health minister. Our domestic epidemic is under control. Now we're thinking of ways to heighten vigilance and detect outbreaks sooner. Of course, some of these measures are things we're already doing, but now we're going to enhance the monitoring. One of the things we'll do is enhance screening in the community. Another is doubling the number of wastewater testing stations. Certain high-risk workers at international airports will get screened. We'll also study the rate of positive antibodies in blood donations to blood banks. We'll also enhance monitoring of imported frozen foods. These are five fronts on which we're working and our policy will be reviewed on a rolling basis. The CCC says it will make home test kits more widely available. It will also ramp up testing capabilities at local clinics. At-risk airport workers will be tested once every seven days. Wastewater tests will be carried out at 22 locations, up from the current 11. 
Meanwhile, antibody tests will be carried out on 5,000 plasma samples taken from blood donated between April and July. Lastly, stricter inspections will be carried out on the inner and outer packages of frozen food imports, especially meats, seafood, and fruits. Palau has tightened its entry restrictions on foreign arrivals after reporting its first-ever COVID cases last Saturday. The island nation announced that all foreign visitors will need to show proof of being fully vaccinated. But according to a tourism official, the rule does not apply to visitors who use the Taiwan Palau travel bubble. Travelers line up, ready to enter the Palau National Stadium to get a COVID vaccine shot. The Taiwan Palau travel bubble has been a hit with Taiwan tourists. But in a recent announcement, Palau said arrivals will need to show more than just proof of a negative COVID test taken three days before departure. Now, they'll also need to prove that they are fully vaccinated. This announcement has raised concerns among prospective vaccine tourists from Taiwan. All arrivals to Palau, except for arrivals from the Taiwan-Palau travel bubble, will now need to get a PCR test upon arriving in Palau. Palau has tightened its COVID prevention measures, but there will be no change to the travel requirements for people who use the Taiwan-Palau bubble. Last week, Palau reported two cases of COVID from the U.S. territory of Guam, losing its status as one of the few COVID-free countries in the world. Palau responded swiftly by tightening entry restrictions. It announced that travelers would need to show proof of a negative COVID test taken within three days before departure, as well as proof that they're fully vaccinated. Arrivals will need to take a COVID test on day one and day five of their arrival in Palau. Within their first five days in the country, movement is restricted to essential travel, such as seeking medical assistance and grocery shopping. This policy affects all other overseas travelers, but not travelers from Taiwan. The policy has not had any impact on our itineraries or schedules. The next flights are on August 25th and August 28th, and there are nine flights scheduled for September. None have been affected in any way. Under the travel bubble regulations, unvaccinated Taiwanese travelers can enter Palau quarantine-free. The winners of the Olympic men's badminton doubles, Wang Qiling and Li Yang, have become national heroes. Merchandise featuring their image or referencing their thrilling victory is booming. Consumers love the iconic image of the final shuttlecock hitting the back line of the court. But designers have to be careful not to infringe copyrights if they don't have deals with the duo. Wang Qiling and Li Yang draw crowds of admirers at every event they attend. The masks they wore in this outing caused an uproar online. Lots of fans immediately wanted to know where they could be bought. This manufacturer seems to have hit the jackpot. Pre-orders are booming, with 40,000 boxes sold. Gold and green non-woven cloth spins through the production line, getting heat printed with Wang and Li's likeness. There are lots of other designs and related merchandise based on the badminton duo. Even Health Minister Chen Shizhong turned up at the pandemic presser in a mask referencing Taiwan's badminton glory. The white lines on green are unmistakable, but manufacturers must be careful if they don't have an official collaboration deal. The rights we have obtained were the images of Wang and Li, as well as their signatures. During the design phase, we consulted lawyers to make sure we didn't infringe any copyrights, for example, by using the Tokyo Olympics logo. 
The phrase Taiwan in plus the bull hitting on the line can be seen in a myriad of merchandise online. Masks, t-shirts, rucksacks and credit cards. But how many of those are in a grey area legally? You might even say crossing the line. New Taipei police have found smuggled pork products that were carrying the African swine fever virus. Police confiscated more than 100 kilograms of products like mooncakes, sausages, ham and pork rolls, all from Vietnam. The goods were imported by two Vietnamese nationals in Taiwan, a mother and daughter. On Monday, the premier went to Taoyuan's airport. He spoke to the customs administration and asked how the products had gotten past customs. They bundled several products in a single lot. We have already noted the issues involved with that. We have already begun to negotiate new terms with the businesses. Don't negotiate this. Otherwise, you might as well negotiate with smugglers. We've been working for more than two years to keep out disease, and now a loophole has appeared. This is not how it should be. And now the whole country is paying the price. Now we have to inspect retailers in Taiwan, one by one. You didn't guard the border, and now this is what we get. Premier Su censored the customs officials for not cracking down on the mother and daughter duo, who had a record of 41 infractions. He also said the customs should carry out more inspections. Agriculture Minister Chen Dizong announced that starting Monday, all shipments from China and Vietnam will be inspected. The Taiwan Transport Safety Board has released the findings of its probe into this April's deadly Taroko derailment, which killed 49 and injured more than 200 people. According to its report, the Taiwan Railways Administration is partly to blame for the crash. The report found that the TRA was advised to install barriers along a slope after two construction vehicles fell down that slope earlier in the year. But the TRA did not make moves to install the barriers, which could have prevented the fatal crash. The probe report on the Taroko Express derailment is out. It found the TRA at least partly culpable for the crash. You ask how many problems can be blamed on the TRA. I could really list quite a few issues. After the Puyuma derailment in Elan, 26 changes were recommended, and 18 of them were for changes for the TRA. The probe reconstructed the final moments before the crash. Li Yixiang, the manager of a construction site near the train tracks, was working with a migrant worker between 8.56 and 9.11 in the morning, unloading tires from a truck. After that, Li tried to drive the truck down a slope, but it got stuck due to sudden engine failure. At 9.24 a.m., Li tried to free the truck with an excavator by pulling it by a rope tied to the excavator's arm. Li tugged on the truck twice, causing it to fall down the side of the slope and onto the train tracks. The safety board says the Taroko Express train exited Hurun Tunnel at a speed of 126 kilometers per hour. The train driver had only seven seconds to try and bring the train to a stop before it crashed into the truck. Although workers tried to signal for the train to stop and the train driver activated the brakes, the train had only reduced its speed to 123 kilometers per hour when it collided with the truck. At the beginning of the year, there were two instances of a truck sliding down the slope. So they put up a fence with two traffic cones and they put up a warning banner. The probe revealed that trucks had slid down that same slope before. The only response had been to put up traffic cones. The safety board listed the parties responsible for the incident.
The list includes United Geotech, which didn't install any protective features on the slope. There's also Dongxing Construction Company for not paving the slope to improve grip, for parking trucks at the site illegally, and for hiring employees without valid working permits. The probe also blames the TRA, which, prior to the start of construction, did not inform contractors of the dangers and risks of the project and did not implement entry and exit controls at the construction site. It also did not require workers to report attendance every day they were at the construction site. It did not earmark a budget to install jersey barriers on the sides of the slope, which could have prevented the truck from falling on the tracks. I'd like to ask Premier, where are you? It's been four months and we only ever heard from you at the beginning. According to the crash victim's lawyer, the TRA did not implement changes recommended by the safety board after the derailment in Elon in 2018. She said that since the safety board has no authority over the TRA, the executive yuan should step in to reform the railway system. Amid ongoing tensions over a new Taiwan office, China appears to be imposing new sanctions on Lithuania. The Baltic Times reports that Beijing has stopped approving new permits for Lithuanian food exports to China. According to the report, Lithuanian officials were not informed of any policy change. However, talks with China on exports have completely stopped. In, in 2020, Lithuania exported 722 tons of beef products, 7,700 tons of dairy products, and 625 tons of seafood to China. The numbers greatly decreased in the first half of 2021, with just 3,900 tons of dairy products and 80 tons of seafood exported to China. Now it's time for tea lovers. Ruby black tea is a Taiwanese specialty with distinctive cinnamon notes that makes it a favorable tea for many. Now a new pineapple-infused ruby tea has won international acclaim, garnering the Superior Taste Award. We spoke to tea master Huang Zichen about how he created the delicacy. Huang checks his tea leaves color carefully. He sniffs to see how far along the fermentation process they are. Every step of the process is equally meticulous. That's why the tea gives off such a beguiling pineapple aroma when it finally enters the customer's cup. Once I was making tea and I realized it had a very subtle fruity aroma. So I put it back to let the fermentation continue a while. And I found that the dried fruit in it was similar to dried pineapple. It smelled like pineapple. A former winner of the Yilan Organic Tea Contest, Huang also won the International Test Institute's Superior Taste Awards during his first foray abroad. The prestigious label is known as the Michelin Star of Food Products and is judged by a panel of top chefs, wine experts and taste maestros. You get the Superior Taste Award from tasting by a panel of food experts from many countries alongside Michelin Star chefs. Huang's right hand suffered nerve damage through his work, and he's also experienced thyroid cancer, but through it all, he's never turned away from tea. Now he's delighted the pineapple ruby black tea has received such acclaim and hopes it will spread the tea love further. I make each tea for each customer so that they like it even more. So I'm very shocked to get this award because all I wanted to was make a good cup of tea and share it with everyone. 
Ilan is known as a county of breathtaking scenery and pastoral idylls. Now among its many attractions is another culinary claim to fame. A new exhibition sponsored by the Hakka Affairs Council highlights historic links between Taiwan's indigenous peoples and the Hakka community. The exhibition titled Sanjian Miri displays centuries-old Hakka garments with indigenous embroidery and other artifacts with multicultural influences. Performers in indigenous costume demonstrate traditional weaving skills with authentic props. The totemic imagery on the costumes reveals links between Taiwan's indigenous peoples and the Hakka people. In the Hakka village in Nanzhuang, we see on the Hakka undershirts embroidery from the indigenous Paiwan, Rukai and Puyoma peoples, a kind of distinctive cross-stitch. Among the Paiwan and Rukai garments, we see the Hakka jacket style and the use of Hakka indigo dye. The exhibition highlights traces of exchanges between Hakka and indigenous groups in styles of clothing and production techniques, as well as in decorative patterns. In pre-modern times, these inhabitants of Taiwan were living side by side and had a profound influence on each other. The history of indigenous people and the history of the Hakka people and the history of the first Chinese settlers in Taiwan are actually intertwined and intimately connected throughout Taiwan's development. The garments displayed have symbolic patterns with deep cultural implications. The exhibition hopes to help visitors reinterpret Taiwan's ethnic and cultural history.